Welcome to Allied, the podcast for everything you need to know about web and video accessibility. I'm your host, Elisa Lewis, and I sit down with an accessibility expert each month to learn about their work. Every episode has a transcript published with it, which can be viewed by accessing the episode on the 3Play Media website. If you like what you hear on Allied, please subscribe or leave a review. Allied is brought to you by 3Play Media, your video accessibility partner. Visit us at www.3playmedia.com to learn why thousands of customers trust us to make their video and media accessible. This month, we're excited to share a presentation by Albert Kim, which was recorded live during 3Play Media's Access 2023 conference. Albert is an award-winning accessibility subject matter expert and public speaker who previously worked with DoorDash, Intuit, ServiceNow, Corn Ferry, Site Improve, and Fable. He is also the founder of Global Accessibility NextGen Initiative, a global community of future accessibility champions and leaders. Albert pioneered the neurodiversity and mental health inclusion in digital accessibility and currently serves as an invited expert at W3C, Cognitive and Learning Disabilities Task Force, as well as Mental Health Subgroup. In this presentation, Albert discusses the challenges of using technology for individuals with chronic mental health conditions. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Albert Kim. My pronouns are he, him and I'm an Asian 1930s. Uh, I work as an accessibility consultant and trainer uh, at AK Digital Accessibility. Um, this talk will discuss uh, some sensitive uh, contents um, related to my mental health disorder, such as PTSD. So um, little trigger warning uh, to, before we begin um, that you know, if you need to leave, um, that's okay as well. Um, so the topic, the title is the challenges of using technology for individuals with chronic mental health conditions. Um, I'm trying to, my goal for this uh, talk is um, that I hope that audience can take away two things. Um, I'm going to try to shine light on how people, users with mental health problems use technology. And, um, and, and what are the challenges that uh, we go through. And then um, hopefully I can build empathy um, and let people start thinking about mental health when we make technology, right? Um, I, I myself have uh, mental health conditions, uh, diagnosed mental health, health conditions, uh, such as PTSD, uh, major depression, OCD, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, ADHD, dyslexia. Um, I was diagnosed with them all in different ages. Uh, it took me a long time to get full diagnosis and uh, go through the treatment. I still do get treatment and I still take medications. Um, for my major depression, I was diagnosed in 19, uh, when I was 19. Um, when I first came to the United States, uh, I didn't have any friends. I couldn't adjust to the new culture quickly. So I isolated myself in dorm and, you know, curtains were all uh, closed and room was dark. Um, at the time I was looking at Facebook and social media and 
I see other friends uh, looking really happy and doing their best college life um, and time of their lives and uh, made me feel even more miserable and things like that. Um, also coming from a first generation college student, uh, uh, first generation, my family, my family, I'm the first generation to go to college and uh, I come from low income family. So I didn't really have the luxury to uh, party or uh, I, I, I say I was on always on a survival mode, fight or flight um, to graduate early. Um, I, I also have generalized anxiety disorder and I got diagnosed in nine, when I was 19. Um, and that was due to um, my childhood abuse, uh, domestic violence uh, that I uh, went through. Um, I was always worried if someone will hurt me. Um, so that was the challenge um, that I was going through at the time. Um, I also have OCD. Uh, OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. I was diagnosed with OCD in, when I was 25 after military service. Um, and um, uh, as I was mentioning, coming from low-income family, uh, graduating on time and getting good grades and get a, getting a job was very important. Uh, it was like a um, survival for me. So I always had a fight or flight mode um, and I was obsessed about my GPA. I had nine, like my average score uh, in high school when I was graduating was 98.4 out of 100. So I was obsessed about getting everything correct, everything uh, perfectly, doing everything perfectly. Um, so I have my OCD, um, that is my OCD. And I also have PTSD um, that was uh, also right after uh, military service. Um, I got diagnosed when I was 25. Um, I also have ADHD and dyslexia, uh, and that was also after military. Um, so um, I mentioned all these diagnoses, and I actually happen to have uh, the four of the top most common uh, mental health problems uh, that people get diagnosed with, um, apparently. Uh, which are OCD, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Um, so I think that I can talk more about these uh, in particular so that um, you can understand the, the journey that I go through as a user uh, as well. Um, but aren't we all going through similar uh, something similar? Uh, that's, that's a question I wanted to ask because um, I feel like we are all going through some similar struggles to some extent, but we are just not aware of it. Um, for example, endless scrolling through Instagram or Twitter at night, and you get little heated up after watching news or reading some feeds. And then now it's a hard for you to calm down and fall asleep. So um, you open the phone again until you feel like you're sleeping, but it doesn't help, right? Um, I, I, I found out that I wasn't alone. Um, so um, in, in the United States, uh, suicide is the leading cause of premature death among teenagers. Um, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 
nearly 20% of high school students report serious thoughts of suicide. That's one in five. And 9% have made an attempt to take their lives. Um, the rate of uh, suicide among teenagers in the United States has been increasing for several years. Um, and as an example, at my college, uh, there were nine student deaths in one semester, in the same semester. And most of the deaths were uh, due to mental health, uh, related to mental health issues. And the school uh, hosted a town hall meeting, um, having all the students come in um, and talk about how, like what the, our problems are and what, like what we want from school, uh, what we want the school to uh, provide for us. And uh, a, a lot of students came in and they were shouting for a better student mental health counseling office in school with more staffs and treatment availability. So my school ended up uh, making the entire, uh, entire floor of the student health center, one floor as a mental health uh, office, counseling office. And this is not just uh, among children. Um, as we all know, during COVID, uh, there was a lot of struggle that we were going through. And National Institutes of Health in 2021 study uh, mentioned that nearly half of Americans surveyed reported recent symptoms of an anxiety or depressive symptoms during COVID. Nearly half, that's one in two. Um, and I also like to forecast that right now we are going through economy recession. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, layoffs in tech industry. And um, it has been long known that economic conditions can influence suicide rates, right? For example, during the depression of the late 1920s to early 1930s was associated with marked rise in suicide, which paralleled increases in unemployment. Similarly, uh, the Asian economic recession in 1997 to 1998 was also followed by rising suicide rates. So we do know that in statistics and surveys and everything, um, that there is a rise of mental health challenges and um, epidemic is there. Uh, there. But now what? Um, are we as accessibility professionals prepared for such a rise of mental illness? Um, how much do we think about the experience of technology users who are going through mental health challenges? Right? I, I'd like to ask that question because I don't think that we are thinking enough. Right? Um, well, four principles of accessibility, perceivable, operable, understandable, robust, but are we designing things readable? Um, aren't, aren't we using abbreviations, unusual words, jargons? Um, is the navigation predictable? Uh, is there unexpected focus change? Um, is, is the error message showing or explain what exactly the error is and how to fix it? Do we have enough time to fill out a form? Is there a timeout uh, that triggers anxiety? 
Is timing adjustable? Can I increase the time limit? Is there sudden flashes? Uh, does the video autoplay as I scroll? And I happen to come across a violent uh, video that I didn't want to see, and that may have triggered my PTSD, right? Um, can I control the volume of the uh, sound or choose to opt out background audio? Um, all these things are from WCAG, already existing WCAG, um, but it's not enough, right? We need, we need to, um, uh, we've been so busy as accessi uh, accessibility professionals trying to catch up with the just even meeting that WCAG, right? Um, but WCAG 2.1 doesn't directly mention the issues like OCD, PTSD, anxiety, and depression. And um, this is a classic example that shows why WCAG is only the starting point, not the end goal, right? And this is also a classic example of intersectionality because most people with OCD have an anxiety disorder as well. And about one third of people with an anxiety disorder also have OCD. Um, in terms of the struggles, exact struggles that, that I go through, um, for example, a lot of people think that OCD is about just cleaning a lot or fear of contamination or dirt, but there's a lot more to it. You know, there's a lot more. Um, and I don't have that obsession, uh, for cleaning or contamination, right? Um, but one of the most common, uh, obsession among uh, people with OCD is hoarding, right? Um, and that actually transcends beyond physical space for me. As a user on internet, web browsing, searching for uh, information, I tend to hoard information um, because it's very hard for me to make a choice on what's important and not important information? Well, I do sort of know, but the thing is, another symptom that is very common among people with OCD is that, uh, is feeling incomplete and keep doubting. Oh, did I check the door or did I check, did I lock the door? Did I turn off the gas? Um, you know, all these things, keep checking, doubting. So even with the information searching on web browser, I, a lot of the times, click every links that come up, right? For example, if I'm searching for uh, a shopping item, if I'm, if I'm shopping online and I'm looking for uh, iPad or, or actually a mouse, right? Keyboard mouse, things like that. Then the e-commerce site would show up all these items, right? Of keyboard and mouse but I click every single one of them because the website doesn't have filterings, right? To help me filter which, which ones um, have which tool features that I'm looking for, right? Um, so it ends up becoming an endless, endless time spending 
just to buy a keyboard for me. Um, and the severity of it, you may be surprised um, that for me, I, uh, I, I don't sleep sometimes. Uh, I, I take all-nighter. Um, I pull all-nighter. Um, and then I end up taking care of just one task, right? Um, I also, um, uh, when I'm shopping, um, when I see these items, um, it's really, really, really challenging if there's an endless scroll rather than uh, pages, right? Or, and a lot of the times I think, I, I feel like there's a, such a huge lack of filters and options that I can customize. For example, can I have 50 items showing per page or 100, right? Like I, I see that a lot of websites don't really give that options, right? Um, things like that. And well, these are not just the only challenges, but as I was mentioning, doubting and feeling incomplete leads me into also checking every links and every information and reading again and again and again to see if I missed anything, right? Um, so, and another additional issue that I, uh, UCG issue that I go through is, um, I'm an, an, an extreme organizer for in the digital space as well. Um, so, in terms of like my apps, folders, files, pictures, all data history and everything, I, I organize obsessively uh, in virtual space. Um, just to give you a little perspective, I, uh, right now I have a one terabyte desk, desktop and I use about 100 gigabytes and I have a lot of apps uh, and I, I, I work in tech, right? Um, it's very little, I use very little because I organize so much and I back up things or I put it to cloud and things like that. Um, and I end up spending hours and hours of time just organizing things uh, online. Um, my accounts or uh, information files. Um, but not a lot of softwares give you an option to organize or sort or um, create folders and then try to organize, right? Um, and you may think that, well, these are um, compulsions and maybe you can, can't you control it? Um, don't you, uh, like, how are you not able to control that, you know? Um, well, OCD compulsions are repetitive behaviors that you feel driven to perform. But these repetitive behaviors or mental acts are meant to reduce anxiety related to my obsession, right? Or prevent something bad from happening. Um, however, engaging in the compulsions brings no pleasure for me. And I know that, right? And uh, it, it may only offer only a temporary relief from anxiety, but it does. It's not long term, and I know that, and I and I'm 
conscious of me being obsessed while being obsessed, but um, it's very hard for me to control it, even though I know. So it breaks down my self-esteem because I'm not able to control, even though I know that this is not what I want to do. And this is not um, something that I want to do right now. Because sometimes I would skip meals. Um, sometimes I would not go to bathroom hours and hours of time um, because of my OCD. Um, and, and in the physical space, to give you some sense, um, when I go to any shopping mall or any new space or new environment, I always check everything my surroundings so uh, just to make sure that I have a grasp of where I am right the the space and I, I feel safe after knowing everything right so when I'm in a new environment um, there's so much uncertainty for me everything is new and that gives me a lot of anxiety right and it also triggers my OCD so that is a physical uh, aspect, but virtually, if you think about it, every new web page I open up is a new environment. And there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Well, what, what, what information will this website have? Or um, like the way I navigate, right? Oh, like this website, um, is structured very differently. Um, and or every page's navigation is, you cannot anticipate. It's, it's very different, things like that. So landing on a site that I've never been to, I first thing I do is clicking all buttons in the menu and look at all of the major buttons or menu that help me understand the structure of the space so I can feel safe, so I can feel less anxious, so I know what to anticipate in the site. I know that I'm not missing out. I know that um, like I didn't miss anything in the site. I, I went through all the information and I know that I, I, uh, I can move on to the other site uh, while, while browsing. So, but, in this kind of case, sitemap, having a sitemap really helps. But a lot of site, a lot of sites actually don't have sitemaps as well. And um, but once I get used to that environment or that one page, now uh, then after I come back, when I come back, it's much easier for me to navigate. Um, I don't have that as much anxiety. I, I, I've clicked everything, so I know. So I may click some more, but not as much as before. Um, and even then, even after clicking all the buttons, I would sometimes, yes, I admit that I, I click all buttons again later and double check if I missed any, right? Because that is part of OCD. Um, and Nowadays, with more and more information being uh, on internet, um, it's harder and harder for me, people like me, to process all the information every day and save um, all the information 
um, and organize and process, right? So at the end of the day, I'm constantly being challenged to learn my, uh, to improve my coping skills, right? Um, even then, um, the coping mechanism doesn't always work. I do take medications and uh, do therapy all the time, but it's not always 100%. Um, so after explaining everything, what it does exactly is that what's happening in my brain is exactly, um, it's an overthinking. I'm constantly on an overthinking mode. I think a lot. I, I exhaust a lot of energy, thinking, 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 uh, reading, reading, reading constantly. And my, my brain is as if it's always on a hundred percent mode, uh, right? Running. Um, so I exhaust a lot of energy. So sleeping is very important for, for people like me. And, um, uh, but sleep often gets interfered. Um, due to racing thoughts at night as well. And looking at cell phone and um, seeing contents that trigger your anxiety uh, doesn't help, uh, right? Um, and symptoms like these generally worsen when you um, experience greater stress, mental fatigue, when I'm tired, had little or poor quality sleep, then, or my health condition is bad, I'm, I'm, I'm sick, or I, I, I caught flu, or I didn't eat well that day, then I lose the control. Uh, it, those things weaken my power to self-control, right? So it's even harder to um, uh, cope, right? And, and you might think that OCD, oh, is that a temporary thing? Actually, it's a lifelong disorder and it can have mild to moderate symptoms or be so severe and time consuming that it becomes disabling, which is the case for me. Um, I have to take two medications for my lifetime. Um, and I do know that a lot of the counter argument when I talk about being able to choose the content that I'm uh, that I'm exposed to, um, a lot of people mention, "Oh, isn't that a censorship?" Uh, I don't think that it's a censorship. Uh, I personally think that it's uh, what I'm trying to encourage is not doing not censoring, but giving choices and options to users. We can't design everything for them. And there's no such one size fits all, right? So giving options, me being able to select filters or search or have options to sort different things or being able to multi-select or um, being able to turn off the background audio, right? Like giving options so, so I can customize my own experience is very important um, because you cannot design the experience for every 
users. Um, and trigger warning is a great example, right? Trigger warning, having a trigger warning for violent images or um, sensitive contents, it gives me a choice whether or not I want to click and still watch or I ignore it and move on. But a lot of the times that's not available option for me. I come across uh, sensitive contents all the time and I get triggered. Uh, I relieve the trauma uh, that I, I went through. Um, so I've mentioned some struggles that I go through and, 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 and the uh, usage examples and things like that, but this is by all means, uh, by no means the end. Um, there is a lot more to a lot more uh, to mental health struggles using technology, right? But my intention of this uh, presentation is to create empathy and try to let people start thinking about mental health when we are designing, when we are making a digital products. Because so far we've been only focusing on physical and visible disabilities, but not invisible disabilities, right? Um, but mental health, believe I believe that mental health is a visible disability, right? The, the disability that I'm going through. And cognitive learning disabilities as well. Because when I'm stressed out or anxious or triggered, um, I automatically right away get stomach pain. It's a physical for me. That's why I have, I have chronic gastritis all the time. And I take pharmaceutical all the time. So I, it, it's very physical for me and I get migraines. So, and the most common behavior that uh, users with mental health um, disorders, when they face, uh, when they go through, when they get triggered, uh, browsing web, um, common reaction is avoidance, right? Because I don't want to relieve the trauma. Uh, I don't want to uh, get tired. I, wanna, I don't want to go through brain fatigue while surfing this, this website, while using this website. Because I, need, I, need, I have eight, hour, eight more hours of the day that I have to spend and things I have to do. So brain fatigue. Um, and I always try to avoid it. And avoidance is the most common behavior. So if you are making technology or web, uh, designing websites or apps without consideration of uh, people's mental health, then what you end up doing is all these users will not combat. They will avoid your apps or technologies, right? So I think that it's very important that we start thinking about mental health when we are designing, developing uh, digital products and, and technologies. Thank you so much for sharing your story and some of your experiences with us, Albert. The first question we have is, how can individuals with chronic mental health conditions and their families advocate for better technology design and customization? Well, uh, I think that's a great question, and I feel I feel little supported here when you uh, with that question. Um, 
I think that for me, the way I uh, try to advocate is sharing my um, mental health diagnosis and journey, but it is totally up to you. But for me, why the way the reason why I share is to break the state stigma first, right? We are way behind that there's still so much stigma around mental health. And just by talking about it, um, as if it's just a, you know, a daily thing to consider, um, I think it, it, it really helps um, to, for, uh, pe for people to start um, destigmatizing and feel more comfortable uh, talking about it or thinking about mental health. Right. So I think that's first step. And um, I think that second step is sharing feedback. Honestly, I um, I really often use um, the website feedback buttons, uh, feedback forms to submit uh, my feedback on the website. And I think that uh, I know I I do know that sometimes I don't get any response back, but uh, for me that's a way of um, advocating uh, for people like me. Because if I go through some struggle navigating that web page, then I'm sure other people uh, like me also have gone through similar struggle. The next question that we have is: I also have OCD, generalized anxiety disorder, and PTSD. I feel scared to disclose this to my employer, but my requests for accommodations are often met with confusion. What advice do you have? Ah, oh, wow. I mean, I have so much um, empathy for this question because I went through a similar struggle. Um, for example, uh, with there was one time when I shared my ADHD and, and diagnosis and other diagnosis. And then the manager, uh, the uh, worker suddenly started micromanaging. Uh, oh, because you'll probably get distracted uh, because of your ADHD. So I'm just gonna try to remind you. And this is helping you. Um, and the two things were wrong in, in, in that action. One is um, assuming what others are going through based on what you know, um, because that is very, uh, without asking, right? Or uh, asking, right? And second is um, without asking, try to accommodate in a way that is not actually healthy, but actually triggers more anxiety for me. So I do know the, the downsides of sharing accommodations sometimes. So, and, and I go through this challenge every day. Um, what I do is I usually try to join ERG groups, uh, disability or mental health or um, any advocacy uh, ERG groups and try to find mentors or people that I can connect uh, or who, who've been in the company for a longer time and then I ask them, I, I, I meet them, I talk to them, I get to know them and then um, ask them uh, for advice like this because every company is different and the way you address, some, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And the best person who would know would be the, the 
uh, employee who's going through a similar struggle who's been already there for a uh, long time. So for me, um, going through ERG and building connections with people, um, like-minded people and um, try to ask uh, has been a tremendous help. Uh, and, and I feel that, I, I feel like I have an advocate as well. So I don't feel like I'm alone while um, addressing the issues. Kind of as a follow-up question on the other side of that, do you have any advice to employers who want to create an accessible work environment? Right, that's a huge topic I um, that deserves another rep, uh, presentation, uh, an hour long. Um, my advice is um, ask, ask, ask. Please ask, uh, because um, I know that I know that some people may feel, oh, like even by asking, am I offending somebody, you know? But if you have a genuine good intention and really try to ask to find out any accommodations or the needs, then I'm always, uh, I don't think that, I don't think that it went in any bad way, right? So always ask and being able to have, um, uh, one of the most important thing is um, building culture, right? And, and how do we build a culture? And I often encourage from the beginning, which is uh, interviewing, hiring, and then onboarding. So during the onboarding, if you can have, uh, uh, we do, we always go through, I, I go through all the privacy security trainings, right? When I'm onboarding, but I rarely go through accessibility trainings or mental health awareness, things like this. So building some training materials that and, and requiring new employees to, um, to uh, go through that training, um, learning about, oh, like how do I support uh, other coworkers with mental health uh, chronic conditions or how, uh, what are the conditions out there and uh, how can I best support? How can I work with them or things like this, you know, um, this training, recurring this training, I think is, is a really big help as well. And during the interviewing process, if you could try to have um, uh, someone, uh, someone with similar disability or um, for me, for my case, I shared with uh, uh, employer from the beginning that I have these disabilities and then requested for accommodation. And then um, in the interview, I, I saw another, uh, they intentionally brought another interviewer uh, who was part of the ERG group, disability ERG group, so that I don't feel alone. And that actually made me feel much uh, included, actually. And, um, and I wanna encourage that too. Um, so, and, and supporting your organization's ERG is also really important because of this reason too, right? Um, because they really build a culture. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's so many more I could mention, but um, because we have only limited amount of time and I see some other questions too here. Yeah, there's lots of appreciation for you in the chat. It sounds like you're discussing some things that a lot of people can relate to. 
Another question we have is, are there any online communities that discuss this topic of website accessibility for individuals with chronic mental health conditions? So, yes, there, uh, W3C, World Wide Web Organization, um, uh, World Wide Web Consortium, has a COGA task force, uh, which stands for Cognitive and Learning Disabilities Task Force. And under that task force, we have a mental health subgroup, and we also have a mental health community group. So, and anyone can join that mental health community group of W3C, right? And uh, you can participate, you can share your uh, feedback on, on the things that we are uh, researching and try to uh, uh, write about uh, in terms of guiding accessibility, gui uh, building accessibility guidelines for people with mental health uh, challenges. Um, so you can actively participate in that community as well. Um, uh, I think that's the best one that I know in terms of technology and mental health and accessibility because, and, and it kind of shows how, 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 why we need to talk about it more and why mm -hmm. we need to have uh, more people start thinking about it and talking about it so that we can um, have more advocates to um, uh, work on this uh, issue together. I do want to mention that if anyone has questions or want to learn more about this topic um, or think that your organization or anyone will benefit from this kind of contents, please feel free to email me at djkalbert at gmail.com, djkalbert at gmail.com. Um, I'm currently accepting more opportunities to spread mental health awareness for the upcoming May Mental Health Awareness Month and Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Allied. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. To catch all the latest on accessibility, visit www.3playmedia.com backslash allied podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.